Inside of You is brought to you by Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And look, hair thinning impacts a lot of us, myself included. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol helps support hair growth from within by targeting possible key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and even metabolism. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many possible root causes at play, and Nutrafol helps address them through a multi-targeted, whole body approach. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical study, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific possible root causes. With Nutrafol, getting help building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. You could see results in three to six months. Take the first step to help you see visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code INSIDE. Find out why 4,500 professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, Dot com promo code inside that's neutrafall.com promo code inside this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. i don't know how many times i have to talk about this but it's so important if you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time um better has helped me substantially ryan here have been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp, when you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire 
and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Man, this interview came up with like a 15-hour notice. Somebody, a friend of mine who's a publicist, this person, this actor who came on the show today, his publicist, I was like, do you want this person? And I was like, are you effing kidding me? He's promoting a movie. I'm like, are you effing kidding me? Yesterday, I said, Ryan, Crispin Glover is going to be on the podcast. And you were supposed to work all day. I was. I flipped some things around because I did not want to miss it. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't miss it. You know, sometimes I'm a little nervous in the beginning, but he just, he's so articulate, which is a little unnerving sometimes because, you know, people are, you know, but he's not condescending. He's just a smart guy who's articulate and is passionate about art and passionate about, you know, we talked about Werner Herzog and documentaries and we talked about, which is really fun. We talked about Back to the Future and obviously he's got this lawsuit you know, when you're dealing with studios or dealing with people in general, you know, directors, sometimes you just speak your mind and you take a chance because you're like, this isn't right. And uh, he does that. And he also talks about the thing that happened on the Letterman show. If you guys don't know that, maybe watch Crispin Glover on Letterman. Letterman walked off stage, talks about that. I don't want to give too much away, which I'm doing, but but his new movie, Lucky Day. And uh, it really looks good. And Roger Avery, who co-wrote Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, right? And all this stuff. It, so it's like, I think it's going to be good. I can't wait to see it. Before we get into Crispin Glover, check out the Inside of You handle, my handle on Twitter and, and, and my Twitter and, and uh, see where I'm going to be for conventions and all that stuff. And uh, Left on Laurel, you know, the album's out, all that jazz. And In Love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan is out. So make sure you subscribe. We appreciate you. And uh, that's about all I have to say. Thank you for listening. And here, let's get inside of Crispin Glover. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. We're starting. I'm into it. You are. Have you yeah. done a lot of podcasts? I, I have done some. I went on Mark Maron's uh, a number of a uh, couple of years ago, which was great. He's got a big following. Yeah, he's well. He's good. He's he's got a so you've got a Saturn Award. <laughs> I do. You're like me, ADD. There, <laughs> I do have a Saturn. Why do you have one? No, I was nominated for uh, it twice. I think, but I never for won. what Willard uh, for Willard and for Back to the Future. But you didn't ago. win? I didn't win. Who beat you? I don't know. You I don't, don't care. I don't remember. <laughs> Do you worry about that stuff? Do you care when someone beats you? When you get nominated I very rarely get nominated. I, I've won, I have won some awards. What awards have you won? I won, well, interestingly, what I actually won awards for was my filmmaking. I won awards for my filmmaking before acting, which I'm fine with. I have no problem with that. Although then I, Ann Arbor Film Festival, which is the oldest experimental film festival in the U.S., my first film, What Is It, won uh, Best Narrative Film. The reason it was in that category is because you know, filmmakers like uh, um, Stan Brackage, who genuinely make non-narrative, beautiful uh, 
art films would premiere his films at that film festival. So they had a narrative, uh, you know, award, which, which my film won, which I was happy about because people would sometimes say the film isn't narrative, but indeed uh, my first film, what is it, is narrative. Where do you keep the award, by the way? Uh, do you look at it or is it like an it's, it's just It's just a plaque. Uh, I think I won some money, actually. What? Interestingly enough. Money? Not, not a huge one. It was a, a Lawrence Kasdan sponsored it. I think I won. Lawrence Kasdan? Yeah. You mean uh, Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, yeah. It was Lawrence? like that's, that for some reason that Jeez. award was named after him. May, I think he might have donated money to the festival or something like that. But then the then the then that film also won uh an award at the Sitges Film Festival and then my second film won an award at the Sitges Film Festival. So you play music, you made a music album, you direct, you write, you have I don't know how many books. You got a new book you're working on. That's right. You yeah. go, you're an actor. I mean I mean, what, what the, are you just, do you keep trying things because you get bored? Because that's what no, I do. No, it's not necessarily about being bored. I I just genuinely, most of the books that I published, well, in fact, all the books I published really were books I made mostly in the, in the 80s and very early 90s. There are old books taken from the 1800s and reworked and turned into different books from what they originally were. Now, amazingly, I still t I tour with those books. I've only I've published five of those altogether, four of which are in print. But I I have a live show that I perform before my films. The live shows are an hour long each. There's two different shows. There's eight different books in each of the shows. And um, I dramatically narrate the books. They're heavily illustrated and the images are projected behind me. You like theater. You like live. I, I mean, by far, most of my, my work has been, you know, in front of a camera. I've done some theater, but, but the, the show that I do is theatrical. Do you uh, get nervous? No, I've done it. So I could do it right this second. And uh, Jump into one thing. Go. Rat catching. Perfect. <laughs> you know, by heart, you get up there. You you look forward. You get that buzz. That not that nervous feeling, but that I'm excited. I can't wait. There is something about per, per, performing in front of a uh, an audience. Yeah, and especially if they're there to see you, and you know what yeah. they're there to see. You I, I know like you... I like performing the show. It is time consuming. Everything surrounding it, going and setting up the show, traveling to the show, checking into the hotel, all these kind of things take time if i could just snap my fingers oh, and yeah. rat catching studies in the art of <laughs> rat catching for the use of schools chapter one what's the latin word for rat i don't know i think it's radis or vegetus or is something. it oh okay I just I, I I just remember that because uh, I know Ryan's looking at me like what the hell are you talking about? But there's <laughs> I'm this so guy, glad and I don't even know. I I've never taken Latin. I don't know Latin. I don't know any. I but know. I remember a guy in drama class in high school got up there and go, "I am Radis nor vegetus. I'm sitting in some shithead." I don't know. I think I could be wrong. People are probably listening. Sounds, sounds but I just right. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Radis nor it's too easy though, isn't it? Radis nor vegetus. It, it's probably where we get the word rat if it's so. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I keep thinking about you reading these old books to then yeah. first of all, reading a book for me is alone, that's really difficult. Well, but also they're very heavily illustrated. So virtually every page has illustrations on it. Ooh. So it's it isn't just me reading, but there's also a, a visual component. I can see what people are looking at. Uh, while I'm performing the show, I'm I'm in a red spotlight. Some people are looking at me, but often people are looking at the um, the images that are being projected. But I'm talking about the old books that you sort of transcribe. That's, right? what, I, that's, that's what I'm talking about. So, oh, okay. they're not transcribed. They're well, I mean, some of them don't even use any of the original uh, text at all. Rat catching is one that uses a lot of the original text. That's the one that 
feels most like the original book, but there's some that I use virtually no no words from the original book, and it's more about just the images. All all of the books are different from each other. You you dress up a lot, don't you? Uh, I well, especially if I'm. Uh, you know, doing media, I, I, I'll wear a suit. I guess this is somewhat, this is media. You this know, it's, I'm going to tell you something, Chris. <laughs> this is the truth. Ask Ryan. I, yeah. I usually wear, I, I usually don't shower. It's not that I'm <laughs> filthy. I just wake up, I throw on a t-shirt and my hat and my shorts. Yeah. And, and Alex, who's a publicist at your firm. Yeah. Let me know. Is it, is it fun? Is he, he's, oh, he's a great guy. You're going to love him. Uh, you know, I go, okay, cool. Uh, you know, he wears a suit. He's, he always looks sharp. I go. Oh shit! Oh shit! No, no, no! So you know what? You're looking at me with jeans. I, I I'm yeah, wearing but, pants today. But it's friend. it's it's normal. I I just uh, for for whatever reason, I've always felt like doing media. It's proper to wear uh, a suit. If I'm if I'm traveling or something, I don't wear a suit. Do you like media? Do you like uh, being interviewed? Do you like? I mean, do you get well? Yeah, I mean, I I like I especially like it for my own projects or if there's a project I like. I'm enjoying. You know, I'm, I I really liked working with Roger on uh, Roger Avery on Lucky Day on Lucky Day. So and and I like talking about my own films as well. Uh, so I'm I'm fine with it. Years and years ago, I was much less comfortable with it, but I'm more comfortable with it now. I think people and they do this. I mean, you know, when I played Lex Luthor, people assume I'm going to be this dark, intense character who yeah. wears Armani suits and. And then they find out I have T-shirts, uh, Atari yeah. T-shirts, and drive a Volkswagen bus or a yeah. van, you know. But so that you know, I'm not nearly. I'm not that guy. I'm not that smart. I'm not. So people probably look at you and go, "Oh, he plays these intense, yeah, weird roles. Is yeah. he this weird guy?" That's absolutely so. And and do you do you like the, the mystery of it all? It doesn't really bother me. the The only thing I am writing a a regular book right now that's not taken from the uh, old old books one that i've just is this about the films the propaganda yes and and on some level part of why i'm writing it well there's there's this one producer named bob gale i I don't want to go into too much about it but i i just see where sometimes people take an advantage like bob gale of of utilizing a persona to their advantage as opposed to to me you knowing that they they can take my persona and go, oh, this guy's and whatever. And then if they, and he stole something from me. He, he did something that was illegal. What was that? Well, it, there was a lawsuit in Back to the Future. Right, because they, they, they took, they took, uh, they put prosthetics on another actor. Yeah, they took, they took the molds of my face from the original film that was used to make the old age makeup. And then they made prosthetics from my features and put it onto a different actor's face in order to fool audiences and use some guy to do your voice right well yeah he he did an imitation of me and uh it was well you know it was illegal you are not allowed to do that it, it it's yes my lawsuit set precedence but it was completely illegal Yeah, changed sag rules and did all that stuff yeah so but even that's... even despite that it was totally illegal when, when they did yeah it. when you saw that the first time you heard about it or so, did you see it is that yeah what... i i went to the see the movie i didn't i went on the opening day uh to see it i was in a regular paying audience i did not know before that moment that's what was happening so of course it was a very uh very uncomfortable uh thing to who are you watching the movie with when you myself. see back to the future too you went to yourself just to check it out because robert zemeckis you know because directed... i knew i knew something i knew i, w- I was curious what had 
what had happened. I did. I I was under the impression that another actor was playing the part, which was fine with me. Had that been the you case, you can't do anything about that. That would have been fine, and right. I, and nor would I have wanted to do anything about that. That I would have been totally happy. There would be never a word about it again. Fine. That isn't what happened, and when I saw what had happened, it was very bad. Did you did you go into? I mean, I, I the only thing I could think of is somebody walking into the bathroom after the or during the movie and seeing you, and they're breaking a mirror. I I I, I sat in the front row and I just kind of had my hands on my head like this, with my head down. Like waiting you didn't want for people to even to... see you. Like people did did see me and noticed a bit, but uh, I was actually in Salt Lake, Utah when it happened. Did they it think it was you? Uh, I think so, but uh, but I just kept my head. I, I went in very shortly before the film started and just kept my head like that, and then then watched the film. And then afterwards, you called your lawyer and said, eh, "This no, isn't I right. didn't have a lawyer. Uh, no, I contacted Screen Actors Guild. Screen Actors Guild uh, then found uh, legal representation. Everybody knew it was." outrageous so i hope you won some money from this well I, the funny thing is is i don't i there is an agreement this is another reason i'm mad at bob gale there was a uh, a settlement agreement which i've always been very careful to stay true to uh, and 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 what i'm supposed to say in the settlement agreement is that it was settled with mutual satisfaction everybody was supposed to stick to that bob gale cannot take that he did something illegal he doesn't like that he, there's any kind of question that, that he could have possibly done anything wrong. So what he's done is, you know, it's literally what a criminal will do when they've, they've done something to a person is they'll blame the victim of their crime. Well, Bob Gale did something illegal. He blames me. And so he uses he's been using it really does drive me crazy. He's been doing it for decades now. It's it's just wrong. You do not you do not bl do something that's illegal and then blame the person for your illegal. So action. what does he say? Oh, the studio cleared it. They said it was fine. Well, he'll he'll do so many mental gymnastics in order. I wish somebody would really publicly question him, but you know he has the platform of being the producer of the DVD, so he goes on these DVDs and says whatever he wants, and then people believe it. And he just makes up an incredible amount. Well, of all you wanted, it sounds like, if he called you up and said, "I'm really sorry about everything that happened." I would, I, I, I would, I would certainly appreciate if he did that in public. He should do that in public. I mean, he's been publicly for literally decades now, and he keeps, he keeps just every five years when they have something new to sell, he keeps going on the bar higher, and th that's what made me start to say. So last, this last time, he broke the settlement agreement. I sent a cease and desist letter to uh, his lawyer. It cost me money right. to send the de cease and desist letter. You know, essentially, he'll take all credit when there's something good. But no, he wasn't even the producer. Or it had nothing to do with him when, when there's some actual blame of something that he really did do that was illegal. Do you so, know how many, you know, it's funny, I, I could think of this is about you. I'm not bringing it back to me, yeah, but I am in a way. I, when I played that role, Lex Luthor on yeah. the show, when yeah. I left, they started to have an actor who was actually my, uh, double stand in my double. Thank you, Ryan. He's there right. for articulation. <laughs> right. Uh, they would show him, they would, uh, his back, his head, you know, mm. doing all these things, many episodes. Yeah. 
And I think they hired another actor. They made it appear like, he, I don't think he ever said anything, but people were like, dude, you came back. Oh right. my God, that's awesome. I'm like, no, I didn't. That sounds sort of like the what was it, Dick York and um, on Bewitched, there were two actors that that played the same role. But but, but again, that's legal. Yeah, and that's legal. what I'm saying. Yeah. They're hiding my face. They're not right. showing my face, and they're not talking like me. Right, right. They're just showing that this that this character that created that I'm not on a show anymore. Yeah. He's still alive. Yeah, that's that's legal. Yeah, the, what where it is not legal is to physically yeah. take the prosthetics. Also, part of the lawsuit was that they were calling the person that played me not by the character name, but by my name and making derisive jokes and, and things on, on the set. You know, it probably drives you crazy. It drives me crazy hearing this is you probably have so much admiration and love for this franchise, or at least the, the first, you know, the first installment. No, I, I don't have incredible love. No, or did, you, was... did you at first before this happened? Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, I that's put, what I'm saying. I put everything into it. I, I, you know, I wanted to do a good job in it. If and... that never happened in the second one... If there was never a second film, I'd be at the reunion smiling, happy. You'd be at all these conventions signing. Of course, I'd be very happy. There would be no problem whatsoever. Isn't that it's, something? Because yeah. you probably had no issues with the actors, right? Absolutely not. No, they were all great. I, n I never have problems with, with, with actors. I mean, and, and in fact, I didn't even, there were minor things that I've talked about because I know what it blew up into, but it's the kind of thing that had this lawsuit never happened because of stealing my face uh, and other stuff, not just right. my face, but uh, the, it's the kind of stuff, you know, you wouldn't talk about at all, but mm -hmm. it's blown up particularly by Bob Gale out of proportion. And that's why you're writing this book about it's a not, propaganda it's, in films? It's not, it's not the only reason, uh, but but uh, there are multiple things I'm writing about uh, in the book. Would you consider other propaganda, like some would say, like Oliver Stone's version on uh, JFK or Tarantino's version of the, the latest movie? Well, uh, it's a complicated issue. Propaganda isn't just... Uh, I, I, so far, I've written 450 pages on it. So That sounds like uh, six it, books for me. Say it again? <laughs> that's six books with me, okay. for me with color pages. <laughs> no, that's good. That's a lot. I, and I'll, I mean, I'll probably edit things down. I, I have to go through editing. But uh, the subject matter is propaganda within the U.S. film industry. But even the word propaganda, it didn't originally have the negative connotation that we have with it now. It, essentially, it's the art of persuasion. The negative connotation, I I would say, is for, and what, part of what the main element in the book uh, has to do with is corporate interests that make people believe something that it seems like it's good for the people, when in fact it's really good, good for, for corporate them. interests, right. not good for the people. And that's all over our, our entertainment uh Media and it's not really heavily talked about. I am I'm very happy to see that something having to do with the internet. It is something that people are starting to discuss more, yeah. and I, I see people s discussing it in politics and news media, which is positive. My first film, What Is It, was very much reacting to this, and I came out with that in 2005, or I premiered in Sundance in 2005. I actually started shooting it in '96. So the ideas in it really are very old. Uh, but uh, when I first started touring with it, even in 2005 in the U.S., and I started talking about propaganda in U.S. entertainment, uh, people in the audience, I could just immediately tell, were like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with it's you? It's brave. But I'd go up to Canada 
And they knew exactly what I was talking about. Anywhere outside of the United States, and people knew exactly oh, yeah. what I was talking about. Not right. in the U.S., but that I've seen that start to change now. And it has something to do with uh, the, the Internet. Just that people, you know, podcasts like this are important. Yeah. And, and, and just the, the kind of talk that is not being... Um, communicated uh, well it, it, it now it's being communicated because it's not so corporate right which is it is positive it's important and it's important you know i keep thinking you know i, I go to these conventions sometimes to sign autographs and the fans love it and it's just they they're you know and i see sometimes the back to the future of guys you know yeah and uh, uh michael j fox and yeah you know uh christopher lloyd and like you said you got along with those guys great so obviously the studio has nothing to do with it I'm being selfish now for fans. It has nothing to do with what? I don't well, know. with the, uh, the sense that, you know, these actors are individually invited to come do like a Back to the Future signing. Right. So right. What, I'm, what I'm, of course, insinuating is, gosh, why don't you go? Boy, would that be fun. Well, the, the reason I don't go to those is, is, is because of the, the lawsuit for Back to the Future, or, specific, or less than the lawsuit, but because of the sequels, essentially, if I go to those, I'm promoting the use of my face of stealing of my face i know it doesn't so seem like I, that. I know what you're saying you're yeah. saying that if you do that they're gonna go oh well he didn't care now he's making Ex money exactly oh so it's yeah. okay for him yeah yeah, yeah completely yeah i can't i can purpose. i can never right. do those right but but i tore around with my my own shows and films right i used to sign everything absolutely for free uh, I have my books, of course, that I sign. But I had an incident. In fact, somebody uploaded it. Weird, aggressive, like, autograph people came to one of my shows and got really aggressive with me to, like, sign stuff. And it was strange. I was, like, surrounded. How outside. do you react to that? What did you do? It's online. I mean, I'm the thing that's funny about it is I think I come off very well. I'm actually really reasonable and explaining to them. What the are they saying? Sign this. Sign this. Come on, dude. It's it's that part of it's off camera, but you can tell that's what I'm reacting to. And you're getting worked up. I, not too worked up, but but I I think I come up very. Everybody that's made a comment, it's funny because the, they all uh, say negative things about the guy who uploaded it. They're not saying anything negative about me, because it's I'm being completely reasonable. But ever since that, I I, I now I do charge. For, except for my books. I sign my books for free. But anything outside of that, it's just become too much of a, a business. And it also is slowing the line down. I, it just got to the point where it's like, fine, if somebody really, really wants to, to pay a lot of money for their, their, you know, whatever particular collectible that they're having to sign, I'll, I'll do it. I always I felt strange about doing it, but it just got to the point where it was taking too too much time and causing too much issue uh, essentially to to not do that but what if somebody said crispin come for the weekend back to the future folks aren't here it's just you you're going to be signing at a table well what i've done is i've i think it's happened twice i'll do the same show that i do at movie theaters if they do it within the my complete show within the confines of the convention which includes uh a signing. I do a one-hour live performance. Then I show the feature film. One of them seventy-two minutes. The other one seventy-four minutes. Then I have a, an hour and a half Q and A, and then I have the book signing. But the thing is, is those those conventions are a business as well. So for them, it's a hassle. So most of them won't won't do that. We don't want to do all those things. Yeah, they just want you sitting there and and, and uh, signing and as much signing as you stuff. can. That's what <laughs> That's they very they want. True. Yeah. Yeah. Inside of you is brought to you by Neurohacker. 
Qualia Synolytic. Let me tell you something. If you haven't tried this, you are missing out. I just sent this to my mom. I have it. I use it. It's a product that I didn't, I, they weren't even my sponsor when I was using this. And I was like, wow, why do I have more focus or energy? Why do I feel better? Why do I feel different? It's because I take Qualia Synolytic, Neurohacker. Look, if someone would have told me, Ryan, that there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in a matter of months, I wouldn't have believed it. But uh, I tried Qualia Synolytic, and the rest is history. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle-aged feeling. Also known as zombie cells, they're old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, Qualia Senolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And... You just take it two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all the ingredients together. And Neurohacker Qualia Synolytic has a 100-day money-back guarantee. Oh, I have, I have more energy. Uh, I feel younger. Uh, I'm more productive. I will tell you that. I'm more productive. And uh, I feel like I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about my life. I definitely feel that, and uh, for me, the aches and pains are less lessened by this, so that is a real important thing for me. Help resist aging at the cellular level, folks. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside. Neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R. Neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Inside of you is brought to you by Shopify. You know I use Shopify. You guys go on the, you know, inside of you online store and you see how easy it is to navigate for you. It's so amazing. Shopify, I can't think of anyone else that would do this uh, the right way like Shopify does. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. It's so easy to navigate. And when you want to add discounts, like for instance, I just had a discount where I put uh, Michael 15, and that was my discount code. How much of a percent? 15% off the total order. Easy. Adding products. It's so easy. You put a picture. You just upload a picture. You put a description. It, it, it does everything for you. And the analytics are so easy to use. All right, this is the most selling product. Oh, I should get more of those. This is the least selling product. This is how much I made for this month compared to last year or last month. It's so easy to navigate. I feel like a pro and Shopify has really helped me do that. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. 
Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. I look at your career and I was really excited about this. I've had a lot of people here and, you know, I wouldn't say I get excited. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that's cool. They're cool. Or, you know, but with you, I even called a couple friends. Oh, well, thank and you. And they were just like, dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, it's always that. I mean, even Ryan, this is true. I'm not bullshitting you. Yeah. Ryan, what did you, what did you have today? Oh, I had another job and I had. Where? Oh, where in Santa, Santa Monica. Monica, right. Yeah. The whole day booked to whole make money. Booked. More money than I pay you. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. Well, you brought it up. (laughs) So anyway, what what happened? I said, hey, Crispin Glover's coming tomorrow. He said, Crispin Glover's coming tomorrow. So I left yesterday. (laughs) And I, uh, no, I, I, you know, I I sort of, I I planned my day around it because it was was very exciting. You had to do it. I mean, you obviously have fans. I mean, you're a big, you you, hot tub time machine. That that was my favorite running gag. Oh, good. Yeah. I I had a good time making that film. I didn't watch that movie because I didn't get cast. Sometimes I, you know, when (laughs) I don't get the role. Do you ever do that? Well, no, I don't don't really care. In fact, sometimes I'll (laughs) I'll watch movies uh, if there's some, something that I've, I've had some kind of interest or offer for, uh, you you do have to grow a relatively thick skin, so to speak, uh, at a young age to, I, I'm, I mean, that's just normal. It's like, it's normal that otherwise I'd be in every movie that, that, that was cast. Uh, yeah, I mean, I then, saw Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. I saw the movies that I didn't get cast. And of course, like those, but some movies you're like, like for instance, Willard. Yeah. If you, for some reason, didn't get cast in Willard, do you think you would have seen it? Uh, it, it all depends. I mean, pro- probably not, but not because I didn't get cast, just because it wouldn't be on my... Your taste, a genre, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I these days I almost never see movies. I I used to see movies all the time, and I almost never do. I sometimes I spend time in New York. Last year I was in New York a lot, and I I did go see a whole bunch of movies at MoMA that you know, like right. uh, Martin Scorsese had curated a series, and that that was really enjoyable. But seeing contemporary films, that's really really rare for me these days. So, are you a doc? You, you like documentaries? Some yeah, there's some really good documentaries. What's your favorite documentary? I'll just say Bunuel's uh, documentary "Land Without Bread," uh, just because I love Bunuel. I'm sure. Well, Herzog's made some great documentaries. I was just going to say, Fata Morgana is uh, fantastic. Grizzly Man. Grizzly Man was great. In fact, I premiered uh, my film "What Is It" in Sundance the same year that Werner Herzog was play, uh, premiering uh, Grizzly Man, and I, I had actually shown a rough cut of of what is it to, to Werner Herzog. And then he came, I went and saw Grizzly Man. He came and saw the uh, premiere of uh, what is it? And he was great. Crispin, what is it? Yeah. This movie is so great. That's a good, that's good. I really sincerely think you're a filmmaker. Perhaps <laughs> he, we could do something what, together. What, what, what was it? What was interesting about, you know, he's been literally making so, films since before I was born. Oh, yeah. And at, at the, the show, he was, at, at, there's some video footage. Somebody's making, been making a documentary uh, about my filmmaking for a while. And, uh, 
there's video footage of Werner Herzog asking me questions about how I made certain things in the film, which is, you know, I'm a huge admirer of his. Supposedly, so. well, he lives not far from me, like a couple right. blocks over. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the, actually I walk by his house sometimes. When oh, I, okay. I've never seen it, but one of my friends said that he got so pissed because they, people were partying till late hour and he came out there yelling and said, what the, f- Herzog? Up, what the, f- it's two in the morning. <laughs> what are you doing here? And he's such a calm guy. I can't imagine him yeah. screaming. I would have yeah, paid he, for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's, you know, famously the, the My Best Fiend where uh, uh, he's talking about uh, Klaus Kinski and the, the Indians or the Native Americans or Native South Americans right. were saying that they would... Uh, they were more afraid. This was Herzog's self-report in, in in my best fiend that they were more respectful and or afraid of Herzog because he was quiet, whereas Kinski was was loud, which meant he wasn't. Isn't in that something? Like I always feel like that. I'm kind of a loud personality. Ryan, would you agree? One hundred percent. Thank you. But I can be loud, and I look at you, and you're reserved. You're kind of humble, and you're not that I'm not humble. But I think when people when you, when you yell, when you're just they don't take you as seriously. Yeah. So when you're this quiet, mild-mannered guy, and he yeah. says, "You, you, you," the people listen to quiet people. I think that's the theory, isn't it? Probably. I mean, I, you know, I'm not always calm. <laughs> I wish I was. Do but you? I, what do you freak out about? What's the one thing that you? Go, I, I, corporate tyranny really right, drives right. me crazy. I, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, did you notice that? You were intense in a, in a way that it's not intensity. It's it's passion. You're very passionate about... I think there's something truly out of balance with uh, how we have allowed corporate tyranny uh, to control things. And, uh, and, then, and then also the... Which is also why the, the propaganda uh, aspect is important to me because it does influence how people think and then treat each other. And people, you know, easily will get subsumed into an ideology that you can clearly tell has to do with a, a kind of propaganda, some element of propaganda that's become a, the norm. But that there are complexities to that, where which kind of propaganda is being put forth, what what ideology is put forth and why, it, it gets complicated. What do you think about uh, what Martin Scorsese said about Marvel films? I, I uh, Somebody asked me that the other day, and in, in terms of this exact topic... I think the word cinema that he used was a little problematic because anything that you put up on a screen can be called a cinema, quite literally. But I would say what he's really reacting to is corporate propaganda. I haven't seen most of those those uh, comic book movies, but my sense is, you know, the original comics that they're based on were made in the, originated in the 1930s and 40s during World War II, which was really to make children feel comfortable with the wars that were going on or the war that was going on at that time. So now it's been upgraded to adults, essentially, to do that same thing, to make the U.S. citizens feel comfortable it's metaphorical, but generally to feel comfortable with the idea that that the U.S. is a a moral police state of the rest of the world. People in the U.S. believe that. People outside of the U.S. do not. They clearly but, but see that. there's always been true. that. There's always been sure. to a degree. I mean, there's always been Well, it's been that... there for a long time. How long has it been that uh, people in the U.S. believe that the U.S. is this moral police force? 
I don't think, I'm kind of forgetting uh, my U.S. history now, but I believe that it was under Teddy Roosevelt was when the U.S. first became imperialistic, meaning doing anything outside of U.S. grounds uh, in terms of wars. I could be wrong about that, but I, that's from high school, AP history in high school. So I know I, some things about Teddy Roosevelt. I know yeah. like he introduced national parks, and yeah. uh, I know that he was shot. Wasn't he shot? I think and that he, might be Jackson that was shot, but maybe Roosevelt was shot as well. Or was it McKinley? Who was shot? I know McKinley got killed. He died. He was shot and killed. Ja- Jackson was, you know, in a duel, and he carried the the fragments of the Look bullet up, in his Ryan. body. But I'm 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 assuming there's various presidents that have been shot. Uh, evidently, Reagan was shot. JFK, of course. Yeah, let's, let's keep going with this. <laughs> Lincoln. There's a lot. Uh, of was Garfield them. shot? Check that out, Ryan. I think Garfield. It was the cat or the. No, Garfield, the president. Oh, sorry, I think he. This was is shot. not my area of expertise. Yeah, well, I actually really like history, but I, I don't. Yeah, know. let me get into this a little bit. First of all, your your roles. Like I know people have talked to you about this. When I think of a role, Crispin Glover role, besides of course George McFly, I think of Andy Warhol in the Doors. Yeah, I, I think of that. Like that role was to the point where I thought, as much as I thought Jim Morrison was playing the lead role, yeah, I thought Andy Warhol was in the movie. <laughs> that is how good you were. The funny thing is, is I met I I met like, Andy like four Warhol. years before, unbeknownst yeah. that you were going to be right, and and it was at Sean Penn and Madonna's right. wedding, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, and I I literally stood back after I talked to him, thinking he would be a good person to play, and watched how he <laughs> held himself and kind of thought about Wait, it. So you're sort of like gearing up for maybe playing him yeah. someday yeah. before you even know you have the role. That's right. You. I mean, I, and so when I, I heard that the role was, was, uh, in this, uh, uh, film, I, I had had a nice meeting with Oliver Stone for a platoon. I didn't read or anything. We just sat and talked and I wasn't in the movie, but I had a good meeting with him. So my agents contacted him. I, I went in and auditioned and I, I got it. Did but you wear a wig and glasses and everything? No. No, I just I I went in without that, but I you know I held myself in the way that I I had seen Warhol holding himself, so I I really had done in person research. Did he ever give you Did he ever give you direction um, on you know I I could see Oliver doing tons of takes, and I could see but with what you did, I think he was like just let him go. I, he was, he had an interesting way of uh, dealing with it. He just early on before we. Shot. He said something to the effect of, uh, you know, there are people that know Warhol and you can know what he's like, so you'd better be good. <laughs> I, but I liked it. I mean, I, I didn't. You didn't get I, nervous about that? No, I like I like very much working with, with him. I don't I don't mind that kind of d- direct thing. I mean, he I didn't feel like he was being mean or condescending. He was just being free. And he was right. Of course, he, I totally agree with that. Was there anything you added that he was like, oh, my God? No, no. In fact, I, I, I asked to subtract things, which he did nicely, like. Uh, Paul Williams was in the scene with me yeah. and he, and I, I had a funny thing because it's only, it's one of the rare things I remember in my childhood. I went and saw Phantom of the Paradise, which he was in. I don't know what my age was. It was when it came out. So I was relatively young and, uh, it's the only time I can really think of myself where I saw the, uh, it was at Warehouse Records in Westwood. There were pictures, you know, his album was up not too long after that movie. And of course, he was playing a bad uh, character, a villain in that, that movie. And I remember looking at the thing, in, at the albums, and this is a very bad man. 
<laughs> that's the only that's the only time I really mixed that up. I was I was pretty young, and I so I told this uh, to Paul Williams when I was working with him. Of course, he he laughed, but he was given. They originally had me saying the. Uh, the line it was written for my character as Andy Warhol to say uh, in the future everybody will be famous for 15 minutes which to me felt a little bit too on the nose just at this moment when he's meeting Jim Morrison so I suggested I don't say that and then that they had Paul Williams saying which was much better so so right because if you yeah if you said that it might take away from your little relation the little moment in the movie yeah I I, I just felt like the, the the less said the the better if possible and and Oliver Stone was very uh, accommodating he was he was nice what is the moment when is it Jim Morrison or you know Val Kilmer obviously takes your glasses off was it yeah, there's something I'm talking about the telephone. Uh, I don't. Rem- something about I. I actually don't remember myself, but something about talking to God. I'm, I'm forgetting what the line they was. They say if you want to talk to God or something, something like. And that. then right, did he take off your glasses and you kind of yes. seem shy? And there was so much going on in yeah. that just that little moment. Yeah, it was. I good. remembered it was just yeah. so genius. Was that improvised? Where he took the glasses? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure Val. Val just took the glasses. I think off. he did. Yeah. Were you like? Did you love it? Yeah, he's a good actor. You know, he was he was uh, he was into s- staying in in character and such, and so he had a an intensity to what he was doing. Where I always I think I'm I, I'm all for that. I think it's a, a a good thing to do. Sometimes people get irritated if somebody does it. It certainly doesn't bother me personally. For me, what the most important thing is to con- is to keep concentration internally in my in my own head i would feel like if i did something that annoyed somebody i would end up being more concerned about that which would take away from my concentration so i don't want to like stay in character to the detriment of of the performance if it's a theater game you know if it's something where the director wants everybody to stay in character and everybody's on that same level i i actually do think it's a very good way to work but but for me if i'm imposing it onto others you, you I, it would feel could make that me, too much i would fe- I, I would feel i would feel i would get concerned about people being annoyed by it so i i don't uh, but i think i do think it's a very good way to work but i don't specifically do that i just try to concentrate in my own head because that's the most important okay thing. what's ridiculous right now is i assumed that you were like a method actor the guy well, on set that just doesn't talk to anybody. He's well, so like in the role. Well, and- I, I mean, I, I, the concentration is the important thing. How do you do that? So, talk to so, me about but, that. But you know, like that word method is, is it's uh, a kind of overused term because that specifically was coined by uh, Strasberg. Right. And and Strasberg and and Uta Hagen and Stanislavski. Uh, and well, they're all based on Stanislavski. So uh, Stanislavski, if you read his books, he's the best person to read books about acting. His stuff is great. But but like if you take if you look at any of those other Stella Adler, they've taken essentially sections of of um Stanislavski books and made that absolutely. their whole thing. Absolutely. So the 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 fact that uh Strasberg coined the term the method it, you know I think actually much of what he is specifically teaching I didn't study uh Strasberg I studied other Stanislavski elements and there were even elements that I studied that had to do with this but I what what he as far as I know much of what 
uh, he teaches is emotional recall, which is slightly different than staying in character. I'm not certain that I know of anybody necessarily teaching it like it's kind of being practiced. So when people are saying a method actor, this idea of staying in character, I, I do think it's good. Uh, there was, and there was one thing I did early on where the, the director did want me to do it. And, and so I did on set. What was that for? It was just a, it was a short film called the Orkley kid. Oh yeah. Well, that's where you end up in a dress. I, I play a fellow who wants to... Uh, you love who, Olivia Newton-John. Olivia Newton-John. And, and what had happened, I, I went to the same... Uh, one of the schools, acting schools I went to was one that uh, Sean Penn had gone to, and it, which was interestingly how I did end up getting that, that part, but it was just because there was somebody that was doing catering on the, the short film that went in, and they told me about it, then I went in for it. I, as I recall, that's what happened. But But in any case... He had done the first year version of it, which was shot on video. I did the second year version, and it was based on a, a documentary that the filmmaker had made. So when Sean Penn did it, he he was insisting in staying in character, and the director thought it was good. It was good. And and so then he asked me to do it. So I was all for it, and, and, and it was good. It was helpful. I liked it. But I had one brief experience on a different film where I, I, I tested that, but because it wasn't something that was called on, I felt like it could confuse people. Sure. And, and, and I just didn't want to continue that. I thought it's best to keep it in my own head. But, but in terms of, in terms of the word method, to me, what they're really referring to is Stanislavskian psychological truth, which definitely that's what I was taught and I'm 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 into. I just it's an overused it's, term. You know what I always say, whatever, if you're an actor, it's it's what you're comfortable, what works for you. And for me, it's like when I heard all these things, we had to read all the Uta Hoggins and the read about Strasbourg and what their their teachings. And I was like, oh, I like what he did there. I like what he's talking about there in that chapter. Sure. Oh, I like what Stanislavski said about that. Oh, Uta Hagen made it. So it's kind of like a little bit of everything. Sure, of course. It's kind yeah. of like a little smorgasbord. Well, and, 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 and if you if you read the books by Stanislavski, those those have all of the things in it. Yeah. So that that's really why he's the, the, the best. Do you have a lot of celebrity friends? Uh, I have. I do. But I do stay to myself a fair amount. Um, I'm not overly social. I travel a lot. I own property in the Czech Republic. That's where I'm, I'm, I've been, I have a film that I've been working on for many years that I'll have out next year, uh, that I made, I developed for myself and my father to act in together. Right. And my father and I've never acted together before this. My father's Bruce Glover. He's right. in films like, uh, Diamonds Are Forever in Chinatown, but the villain, right? He was, uh, there was, uh, in, in Diamonds Are Forever, Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid, uh, he was um, Mr. Wint, I believe. Is he proud of you? Yes. Does he ever, did you have a childhood where, um, you know, you'd look at you, your career from an outsider's point of view, and you go, I wonder if he had a crappy child. I wonder if it's just dysfunction because he plays these weird characters and this. And he's like, so I bet, you know, he was just like his mom was an alcoholic. No, and his no, dad no. beat him. No, I actually came from a, a good uh, household and I went to a very good private school. So you were loved? Absolutely. Did they yeah. say, Crispin, I love you. Yeah, they did. <laughs> you are so I, good. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Just, L- that, you know, luckily, I did come from a good a good household. That makes me I mean, so I happy. mean, you know, there's... Everybody has little things that they can complain about. Were you picked it, on? 
No, no, I that that's an that's an interesting thing because I played characters, sure. a lot of characters, but no, I I I really never I never had any you know I was never uh, beaten or hit or anything. Uh, Good at, for you. I mean, I went to a, a, a private school from first to ninth grade called Merman School in Venice, on Mal, no, or, up oh, on Mulholland, Mulholland. Uh, Drive, which was a really great school. I'm grateful I, I got to go there. I did go to uh, two years, three years of public uh, high school. Two years was in Venice High School. And then ah. the last year, you're allowed to go to any uh, public school, at least at the time in, in, in the L.A. system. And I knew more people uh, that went to Beverly. Some had gone to Merman. I was friends with an actor that I'd worked with in something. They had a good drama department. So the last year, I went to Beverly High, high School. Do you ever talk to Sean Penn? I ran, I ran into him a couple of years ago. I mean, you're at his wedding. You figure you'd you yeah. keep in touch with someone who isn't uh, your what, you know. Well, I, 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 no, I, I'm not like in regular, I don't have his telephone number or anything, but anytime I see him, I'll talk to him and he's always nice. What are you talking nice. about? Uh, very, the last time I saw him, I actually talked to him about something having to do with the Orkley kid. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm always complimentary. I like his work and I, I, I'm, I feel friendly with him. Is there so. anyone you, you worked with that you were just like, no, I, 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 am I'm, I'm pretty, uh, for me with, with actors, it's like, even if somebody is not in a good mood or, or whatever, I just feel like whatever they have to do, it's, it, it, I do think acting's hard. It's like, I make, I'm a filmmaker as well. Right. And that it's a different kind of hard work. It's true. But but uh, the psychological aspects of acting, I, it is difficult in a <laughs> interpersonal day to day uh, work. You have to go into this one realm of a different psychology, and then another realm of interrelating with people. So I can understand where if you're if somebody's kind of in their own zone, so to speak. I, I'm very Respectful. more than willing to whatever they have to do to to make their work work is fine with me. Could you ever? Did you ever not get it in a moment where you like you're in a scene and you just you can't get it? Who you as an actor? Me? Yeah. Where you're just like I don't know what to do here. I don't know what the director well, I, wants. I can't get it. I feel like I'm not doing the job. Well, I mean, I mean, when I was 16, I did a pilot. I was pay, playing the page. You know, not having the proper subtext of of the character, and the writing wasn't very good. Uh, even to this day, I'm, it's embarrassing to me. There's one scene I auditioned with an improvisation. I had learned to act essentially with improvisation for t with uh, technique as opposed to uh, humor. I was very comfortable with improvisation, and it was I got it from a cattle call, and uh, I did an improvisation. They utilized the improvisation or as kind of, they changed it a little bit, what I had uh, auditioned for in the show. That that scene was fine, although it was changed from what I initially did, but it was essentially fine. But the other things that they wrote were really pretty. And did you know it then? It wasn't, this isn't good? Well, yes, but, 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 it, but, but not in the way that I would now. So it was like I just kind of did what I w felt like I was expected to do, but... I could kind of feel that, so I, I, I'm sure I felt like, oh, is this good? I, I, I right. didn't. I, but then, you know, I was in acting class at the time, and and people, you know, said things that were uh, helpful, you know, in 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 the school, like about playing the page, and I recognized there quickly thereafter that 
it was very important to uh, get into the psychology underneath. So that's something I always try to do. But I mean, I, I of course, I'm still capable of making mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I can, I can, uh, you know, think that I'm doing something correctly. It's very rare that that happens, but it, it has happened. I, and then I realize after, oh, that was a mistake. Yeah. That's rare, but it, it has happened. You know, it's, I always think like, you know, George McFly, I know you've done this a million times. You've talked about this a million times, but it's just something that, how do you come up with that? It's Oscar worthy. It's to me, it's <laughs> I, so good. And so like what actor would play it like that? That the, the choices you make are choices of like, what risk? What it's so I, you know the funny, the funny thing is, is it, it's so, it really is so long ago now. And I've not gone to see it since it came oh. out. So I, I actually don't particularly remember i i'm i mean i'm it's i'm glad you're saying these things but i really don't you think so ryan i mean i, I remember yeah. liking it. it was a great part and i remember i did work hard on it i made very specific choices that were very detailed uh and, and, and mechas love them <laughs> well not necessarily he did in a way but he wasn't always um complimentary of it it was actually a little bit strange uh, but some of it i it's stuff that i'm writing about in 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 this book as well i you know there was an actor that was fired from it eric stoltz eric stoltz and i and i think there was a certain amount of tension perhaps that was brewing because they perhaps were well obviously they did do that they would know that something was up without relaying it to uh, everybody else, but at the same time, you, you could feel it. But uh, or Was know. that hard for you? Did you like Eric a lot? I'd, well, Eric also went to the same um, uh, acting uh, school that I went to. He and I had played brothers in a Bear Aspirin commercial when I was 16. <laughs> so I knew, I, I knew him. Uh, like I say, I'll go into more detail about it in the book, but, uh, oh, there you, you have the uh, Uda Hagen respect. For yeah, there you book. go. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I have. Dude, how do you I, see I that? that I, I have know. contacts there here, and is. I can't even see you. <laughs> well, my right eye is quite sharp, and my left eye have a an astigmatism. Yeah, but uh, but I've I've good eyesight. But back to George for one moment. I know because we're going to get into Lucky Day because yeah, yeah, it looks badass. We're going to yeah, talk I about had a that. great time playing. Oh yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. Did you ever take risks that you remember specific risks that Zemeckis like no? Don't do that. No, no, he 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 liked me. I actually did have a good working relationship with with Robert Zemeckis. I liked working with Robert Zemeckis. Uh, um, there were there were sometimes things that uh, you know I was talking about. Maybe I wasn't talking about in this interview. I've been doing a number of interviews, but uh, sometimes a director you'll have to translate into your own head what they're really meaning to say. Sometimes a director will just say, you know, something that's not in actorly terms, so to speak. So, you don't so, understand it exactly. It's not that clear. Which No, it's clear, but it's just you have to kind of retranslate it so that it can become an organic thing right? as a, opposed to an external thing. Uh, but I, I mean, ultimately, uh, he's a very, he's a, he is a very good director and, and gave me good directions. Uh, I also worked with him on um, uh, when I played uh, Grendel as well, and he gave me a very specific direction on that. Beowulf. Which, uh, yeah, and Beowulf, which is actually related to the to Lucky Day. Yeah, because well. Roger, 
Avery your, was a writer on that. He, he co-wrote it with Neil Gaiman. Right. And I'm I'm working with Neil Gaiman right now on um, American Gods, it, which is based on his beautiful book of the same title. Right. And uh, he's the executive producer for that show. And then and then Zemeckis bought. He read the script. It was written originally for Roger Avery to direct Beowulf. And then Zemeckis got hold of it, and he wanted to direct it, so he paid uh, Roger for the script, and he said to Roger and Neil that he would cast who they wanted to, to cast in ah. it. And, and so I was who they wanted to uh, have play Grendel. And uh, so I'm grateful to, to Roger sure. and uh, And he's Neil. got a long list of amazing credits. Like he wrote... Co-wrote with Tarantino in a lot of films, right? Roger Avery, yeah, he Roger he Avery. he co-wrote uh, Reservoir Dogs and uh, Pulp Fiction, which he won the Academy Award uh, for Best Original Screenplay with. Uh, so when Tarantino he called you for that. this, it was a no-brainer. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, well, uh, let me just finish the the the, the other story. Uh, yeah, so sorry. so then I. I was, you know, there had been the lawsuit about Back to the Future, or the sequel, rather. And uh, so it's the kind of thing where you think, well, I'm never going to end up working with any of those people again. So be it. That's how it would be. So uh, the fact that that ended up happening, I owe to, to Roger and Neil, and I am glad that it happened. It was reparative for me, just... Uh, I mean, not totally, but but I mean, I did have a good working relationship with uh, with Robert Zemeckis on on Beowulf, and I, I did ultimately on on Back to the Future as well. Unfortunately, you know, the things that happened after yeah. that's too bad, but at least there was a reparative element. So yeah, when I got the script from Roger, uh, well, I, also the the character itself was great, so I, I absolutely wanted. And it's to got it. some gore. I yes, mean, I, you yeah, know, just yeah. the trailer alone. Yeah. Is and by the way, I'm just gonna be honest. I just this interview just happened late yesterday, so yeah. I didn't have time to watch the movie. That's all right. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm, this is my genre, man. This is yes. The, when I watch it, you know, you're always hoping something's gonna be good because it's easier to talk about. Sure. And then I see this trailer, and you you've got this accent. <laughs> yes. This and they're like, he's got this French accent. He's yes. not even French. Yes. <laughs> and it's got this humor, but it's got this grit and this craziness yeah. and this intensity. And then you yeah. see Roger, uh, you know, directed it and wrote it, so it makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. I'm actually haven't seen it myself. I'm going to see it tonight. Really? Yeah. But I had the sure. Off- I'll go with you. I had the sure. If you want to go, <laughs> you're welcome to go. The the uh, the. Um, I had the opportunity to either watch it on my computer or go to Lionsgate and see it, but I kind of thought this is a movie with, it has it does have humor and there's a visceral quality and I I feel like it'll get audience reaction so it'll be a fun film to go see in the movie theater so I'll go see it at the Wilshire um, what is it called the uh, music hall tonight right at seven but it's also going to play in selected theaters and it's going to play in video on demand yes yeah that's and uh, so you guys uh, could find this for sure yeah yeah Check are it. we are we live or recorded it's I not it's recorded okay, yeah right, this was right. live oh my god that'd be kind of cool could we do that Ryan do like a live radio show <laughs> oh my god I'd love to do live like Stern. Right. I have no idea how these things happen, but people do it. I, I, I have been in various, you know, I'm, I'm very glad that this kind of home type talking, because it, it is, it's much more the way people actually talk. There's just something that happens 
when you're sitting in somebody's room with you start to book. forget about like yeah, all the so crap that's yeah. why you know a lot of people are like you, you what happened because we used to shoot in video and i'm like i don't know people are just more intimate the conversation is like yeah more open when you're just two people talking definitely you know sorry about sometimes i'm taking pictures and stuff uh, but sorry. it wasn't that it's distraction sorry. no i i i mean i i i'm on both at the same time i mean i know that it's happening happening and and uh but it does give a you know, I've been on those late night talk shows, which are the the most unnatural form oh, of yeah. conversation. They're you know predetermined. You have the pre interview. Yeah, five minutes yeah, or you, less. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, oh, speaking of which, strange. why did you bring that up? What what? One of the most you know, your publicist didn't even know about this. And I was like, well, you know the Letterman thing, right? Right. <laughs> Ryan, you know about the Letterman thing? Yeah, I just, I just heard about it today because yeah. I told you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I well, it was for a role, say? right? There was a well. Was sort, go ahead, you tell. Well, the okay, so so I I I uh, you know I'm reading I'm writing this book also for many different reasons, and um, to second set the record straight. Well, the 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 thing is, what in it, what I've said in media to date in 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 public media is I neither confirm nor deny that I was on the Letterman show. So, of course, you know, it has a humor to it. But there are reasons that I do that. If you if you go into details, like uh, similar with the Back to the Future stuff, I actually did not want to talk about that. I've actually always planned to write stuff out about it. The only reason that I started talking about it was because Bob Gale specifically was lying. He was saying that I asked for the same salary as Michael J. Fox. It's just, it's total fabrication. But it was designed and calculated to make me look bad again he stole something from me. He's blaming the person that he stole from for stealing from them. It's blaming the victim. It's what criminals do. And he did something that was illegal. He won't take the ownership of his uh, illegal activity. And he blames me for his illegal activity. Right. It's really not right. I, so I did not um, really want to talk about Back to the Future stuff because it, there's really a lot to it. And, and if you take a little bit out of context, which I knew would happen, people start attacking about one thing or another. I've always meant to write it all, all through so you can really see the, the perspective of what I was thinking about and doing things, because there was always very specific reasons. Similarly with the Letterman thing, I've already written that part uh, out. It's very, it's very specific about uh, the reality of... of uh, whether I can deny or confirm that I was on the Letterman show, but but uh, what people think is is not what it is. But it will be so. Very you're clear. saving that for the book. It's so just, to speak. It just can it's you give just, me a taste? It's not. It's not just saving it for the book. It's just that if if you start to go into a little bit of detail, it just it's well you know the classic can of worms. It just you can't really pack it in quickly it's it's uh, uh it, it it it's it needs to be done justice sure properly well answer so, me this maybe, yeah if you if you will yeah were you concerned and upset that maybe like you like fuck man letterman the king of fucking late night i, I feel bad this sucks because it was my one chance on letterman now he well, hates me and he's never gonna let me go well, on no, there. I, i've been on the letterman show multiple times i there oh, was so, the, okay so there because... was the first time well i shouldn't say that i neither confirm nor deny <laughs> you, you caught me but but uh i neither confirm nor deny that uh i was on the letterman show however uh, there was uh, there were multiple appearances that i neither confirm or, or deny <laughs> do you like letterman I, I do like David Letterman. Does yeah. he like you? 
I don't know about that, but but no, I, I he's okay. I, I I I I don't think he hates me. No, I don't think he hates me. What do you want people to to know about you? If they you know they obviously they they think you're this like we talked about earlier, and you know this this guy, and he's just is he weird? Is he this? He plays these intense roles. He's such a good actor. He's a method. Is he? What do you want them to know about you? Uh, well, you know, my initial my initial plan when I started acting. Uh, was to not do any promotion for anything at all. I didn't have a want for becoming a public persona, so to speak. I just kind of liked the idea of being an actor that would play different characters, that I would show up and people wouldn't know really what that person was like. Like, I didn't do any publicity for Back to the Future. It was only after River's Edge came out. And because... Back to the Future had been the prior movie to that. There was a fair amount of interest in me to promote the to the film River's Edge, which I was proud of. So I did end up uh, doing promotion for for River's Edge. Uh, but once you once you do that, you can't you kind of you're in it. And I that was when I really kind of made a, a splash, so to speak, that I can neither for uh, confirm nor deny. You <laughs> you always work. Do I always work? I mean, you always, I'm saying you always work. Oh, well. You can I, work as much or as little as you want. Is that true? So no, to speak? no, it's not totally true. Uh, I, I work, there are times I turn things down if I can afford it sometimes. And, and, and I, it's like my taste gets better when I can afford it. And when sure. I can't, I, then I, I just, then I have you're the to page. work. Say it again. Then you're the page. You'll have to do the role of the page. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> even then, even then, I even then I've learned to try to to I you attempt, aspire to to get under the the page. But it's true. At a certain point, you kind of sink with the ship. You know, there's nothing nothing one can do at a certain point. But you always attempt to uh, get underneath. But but again, you know, I make mistakes. What's I, your favorite role? I I don't I don't really have a favorite role. Uh, I, well, you perked up when I said Andy Warhol because I, I did enjoy. I, I I mean, I, at the same time, even with what what Oliver Stone said, I was always I was concerned about that. Just by it's something I I think is very difficult for any actor when they're playing somebody that's known. Part of the way somebody is, if they're a known figure, is part of what. Um, they're known for so uh and i wouldn't even say i did a you know i my face doesn't particularly look like andy warhol's face my nose is very different than his and i wore a prosthetic nose because his nose indents so there was a prosthetic that sort of made but i have i have a bump in in my nose so it had to like really be quite prominent but uh the so there was something put on you know I, i i wanted uh, to, to do it right, say you wanted to do it right. You wanted to, yeah, yeah, please the director, please the people who knew him, and also please yourself. But I, I'm glad I was I was the first person in a corporate film to play Andy Warhol, and the reason that I say it is because I researched it a fair amount, and I'd already was interested in Warhol's work even when I, I met him. But uh, he had sent people. Uh, for college appearances, or one person, I don't know, to look like him. Of course, it was the 60s, so he was able to send some people without 
going to the college appearance and get, he got paid, paid for it. And then eventually he got caught and, they, and he had to stop to had to stop doing that. But I always thought that was really funny, actually. But, so other people played him. But I th- I believe I'm the first person to have played him in a in a corporate uh, film. I don't think anybody's played him better. Well, I, there have been good people there that have, have played good, him. I can't like, like, like uh, David Bowie uh, played him in Basquiat, and he played uh, him at yeah. a different time period. Time, yeah. I was playing him in the 60s, and he was playing him in the 80s dur- during interview, and I thought he caught something very interesting. And, of course, he knew. He did know um, Andy Warhol, so I thought he caught something very interesting. There have been a, a lot of people that played him that I, I thought some people naturally looked more like Warhol than myself or maybe David uh, Bowie as well. But uh, I, I think a lot of he's an interesting character. So yeah. there's been interesting uh, takes on him. Well, look, I, I I love your work. Well, thank I'm, you. I'm honored to have it. you here. I'm glad to be here. And thank I hope, look, anytime you want to talk, you have a yeah. platform. Oh, well, thank and you. And seriously, I know you're very passionate about all the things that you're writing about and doing. Yeah. And I think that's, that's brilliant. And, you're, and, and it's brave. So it's very brave to go to do what you're doing, and I think you need a lot of uh, you know you need some brave people out there. So well, I, I appreciate it. I, I try my best. <laughs> now, now with a compliment, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you one more Back to the Future question. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is a movie that you know that like I'm almost as old as you. By the way, you're a young guy. You're still you're 54. I'm like 47. Yeah, yeah. I actually I'm 55. Okay, well, you know, I was yeah. I was helping you there. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> but, well, it's easily known. I don't I don't worry about. Yeah, it's it on Wikipedia much. and all that stuff. Okay, aging is inevitable. I just I try I attempt to age gracefully. Do you use moisturizer because you have really supple, soft so, skin? So, <laughs> I mean, it, so, it is. Well, I I I thank you. I put hair. I uh, I I sometimes put coconut oil on my face, but that, that's uh, that's about it. I I try to eat healthfully. That's what do the you main eat? thing. Um, You're sort of a vegan, right? At at my healthiest, I'll eat raw vegan. Uh, Right now, I'm eating cooked vegan. It's better if I eat raw vegan. Sometimes I'll eat fish. Uh, Otherwise, I try to avoid uh, animal products. Do you uh, exercise? I I exercise. You hike? Uh, No, I I work out at the gym or ride the bicycle. Uh, uh, Sometimes yoga. Uh, do people come up to you and say, hey, Chris McGlover? You get it all the time. Yes. Yeah, all the time. And you're nice about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that I've only recently stopped doing, and uh, I think I mentioned it a minute yeah, ago. Yeah, signing. I, I've stopped doing that. I will only do that at my show. You know, Steve now. Martin, you know what he did. If somebody goes, Can he, I gave your... a, he gave him a pride and joy card or something. Something like it? that. He, they would say, uh, oh, you're Steve Martin. Can I get a, a picture, an autograph? No, but you could have this card. That's right, a and card. And it says, you met Steve Martin. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, I always yeah. love that. Why am I thinking pride and joy? I don't know. Somebody had a pride and joy. I don't know what that is. I'm not but... big enough of an actor to have a card. You met Michael Rosenbaum. Who gives but, a but, shit? No, the fastest <laughs> thing to do is everybody, of course, has a phone now and everybody wants a picture. So that's fast. Right. I don't mind doing that. That's just the, the easiest thing to do smile say hello and then and then and that's easy it's actually much more difficult for the signatures so you know for the back to the future i just keep thinking of some of these lines like the very famous line the the um hey biff get your damn hands off her yeah yeah and i just could see zemeckis laughing back behind his camera going yes and you're just surprising him with these takes and these just are you stretching it out are you milking it I just want a moment where you remember where you you, you just they're letting you go. You know, as I as I recall, uh, that was a night shoot, and uh, it went 
quite smoothly. I don't, I'm, you know, some things we had to reshoot because there was about, as I, I think it was five weeks of shooting. I was about to be done when, when, they, um, when they fired Eric Stoltz. So then we had quite a bit of uh, reshooting to do. I can't remember if there was anything in that sequence that we reshot or not. There may have been, be but I'm, I'm, I'm But really is there a moment where you are in the moment, you say something, and you just know, oh my God, by everyone's reaction, I'm fucking good. It's, it's very, it really was a strange shoot in that way. I mean, Zemeckis did like me, but it wasn't an overly uh, effusive... Uh, kind of uh, complimentary uh, set. The don't actors need that? Don't you need to go, oh my God, the whole crew loves it. Oh God, hey, Crispin, there were, can you there, do want to take more of a beep when you say, hey, Biff? There, there were times that, there was one thing that's not in the film that I remember we did that was much more of a visual gag, but it was it was much more broad than was in the, in the style of the film. What was it? Uh, <laughs> what was it? It was just it was a visual gag, and and as I recall, I was like in between a bed, and I, my body was up high, and there was like somebody else's feet were bent, so it was like I was bent backwards in half. It was an imp an impossible look. I think I suggested it, but 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 and people laughed. On the set, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't in the style of the film. I don't even remember why I suggested that, and it wasn't something that was normally uh, suggested. But people did laugh when it happened. But I, I even know it wouldn't. It wouldn't have been. It just didn't fit. It was. It wasn't. Yeah. It, but it was something we actually shot, as I recall, and I remember people laughing. But actually, that was the thing. I, I, I remember people laughing, but. It was a strange thing. Uh, Keep going with that. You were thinking you had that vision. There was a moment when I'm uh, sitting in front of the television set and I, my character's laughing, although I had a different interpretation of the purpose of the laugh than how it was represented in the film. Uh, it wasn't just a, a silly laugh. There was a purpose behind it. It was I actually had a lot more pathos to it. But I, I, I don't think Zemeckis quite understood that. Well, I know because of, of what, 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 how, how it ended up being presented. But I do remember people laughing at that. Um, that was that was that was something you just came up with that laugh that he. Well, it, it it served a different purpose than it comes off in in the film because what I'd said to Zemeckis was there should be something on television that's not funny, kind of just mundane, and that the the laugh is the character trying to get out of mundanity. And uh, <clears throat> I was not aware of uh, The Honeymooners. I, it, for whatever reason, it didn't play on the uh, uh, the local stations. Now I'm aware of it. It's a great show, and it is really funny. So it didn't fit with what... It looks like I'm really just laughing at a funny show. I, I had suggested that I was laughing at something that was mundane right like I, I was trying to bring joy into a mundane situation um but nonetheless p people were laughing at the at the laugh and you just came up with that laugh yeah i don't i don't think i came up with it on the set i think i prepared it i, I did work hard in advance in preparation for it 
Uh, I'm sure sometimes, you know, nuances and that kind of thing were on set, but I, I'm quite certain I prepared that. That wasn't just on, sure. on the moment. but at the same time, probably, you know, the, the, the nuance of, of various take to take, of course, would be differentiated from whatever w was going on at the time. But there was a, there was a fair amount of preparation. This is, sure. this is, look, this is amazing. I'm not going to keep you any longer. The, uh, lucky day is, is out. Yes. Um, you're going to, you're going to watch that guys. Listen, it's watch the trailer. You're going to have a great time with this. What a great character. It I want to see was, more of them. Hopefully you're great, really, yeah, it was a great character. And I, I, uh, this was one that I, I could sink my teeth. You're perking into. up again. Yeah. It I was, could see it. Now you're happy again. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really was a good character. And I, I really enjoyed working with Roger and I'm, I'm interested to see what people think, uh, I, I feel like people will enjoy it. I mean, uh, you never know, but uh, my that's that's I I enjoyed playing it, and I, I'll go see it in just a few hours. Maybe I'll uh, hate it. I don't think so, though. I think I'm going to enjoy. Lucky it. day is out. Go check it out. This is uh, Crispin Glover. Thank you for allowing me to be inside Thank of you, you. today. This has been it. so much fun. Are you, on, are you on Instagram or any of that? Uh, yes, I'm on all these things. There's a crispinglover.com. People can sign up for the newsletter. Yes. Let's it be known when I'm touring. I'll be actually, I know I already have a show in January in San Francisco on the 15th at the Castro. But um, which is part of something called the Sketch Fest. But people can sign up for the newsletter. I'm on Crispin. I'm Crispin Hellion Glover on Instagram. Crispin Hellion Glover on Facebook. There's also an official Crispin Hellion Glover on Facebook, and then I'm Crispin Glover on Twitter. So I have all those basics. This is a real joy and well, honor to have you it. here. I hope you Thank had a good you. time. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you awesome. very much. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.